This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey friends, have you signed up for the Michelob Mile yet? This is a one mile virtual run to support the Donna Foundation. What they do is they help transform the experience for breast cancer patients from a place of fear and frustration to one of love and support. I wanted to get a little creative this year in my fundraising efforts, so I created a one mile virtual race. You simply donate the amount you think it'll take time-wise to run your mile. You can register, support a great cause, see what you can throw down for the mile. You can walk the mile too, whatever you want to do to get your mile in. Go to moremilesraces.com slash Michelob mile to register for your mile and support the Donna Foundation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. You are listening to episode 297, and I'm talking with Allie Ostrander. Allie runs for the Brooks Beast. She's a steeplechaser, and she's actually a three-time NCAA champion. She ran for Boise State University. She is coached by Danny Mackey, and we get to hear a little bit about what it's like to be coached by him and also... She is now working as a volunteer track and cross country coach for Seattle Pacific University. And it was really cool to hear about her passion for coaching and what kinds of things she wants to bring to the table as a coach. Before we get started talking with Allie, I want to thank Prevenex for supporting this podcast. If you are looking for any sort of vitamin or supplement, definitely check out Prevenex. They have clean and clinically proven to work supplements and vitamins and protein powder. I take their multivitamin, their Joint Health Plus, which is incredible if you want to have longevity in this sport. The Joint Health Plus not only relieves joint pain, it also protects your joints, which is super important for those of us who want to be running for a really long time. We use their protein powder in our smoothies every single day here at our house. My kids love it. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Allie Ostrander. All right, well, today on the podcast, we have Allie Ostrander on the show. Welcome to the show, Allie. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. How's it going? What are you sipping on? I have some tea here. I saw you had a mug as well. Oh, yeah, so I made a bit of a pumpkin spice latte this morning. Um... I have a new espresso machine, and I'm pretty obsessed with it. It's my new love. And so I made a latte with some um, almond milk and pumpkin pie spice. Mm. It's pretty tasty. Okay, I saw your post about your espresso machine, and I have been wanting one but I feel like there's this like huge jump it's either like the super nice or like the not so nice and I'm like where are the middle ground espresso machines and I know I want to splurge so convince us convince us to buy what you have okay so my espresso machine is like probably one of the higher end ones because it has a built-in grinder Mm. and it has the steamer wand um so you can like steam milk and stuff uh, the reason that I like it is because 
it's like all in one. You don't mm -hmm. have to buy anything else. When you get it, you have everything you need to make like whatever drinks you want, just like basically what they have at a coffee shop. Um, and like you also get to play around with it more. So some espresso machines, it's like you just kind of like add the beans and then it does it. But this one is a, a bit more hands-on. So you get to adjust like the grind size and the amount of grounds and then you tamp it yourself and like measure it and stuff. And so I like that because you can play around with it and then like alter what pressure the shots come out at and like um, how long they take depending on like if you want it more bitter or more creamy. So it's fun. Like I have an excuse to try multiple times. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think I would get frustrated trying to learn all the all the things, though. Do you do regular like drip coffee for your coffee in the morning or do you get fancy for morning and afternoon? Um, I, I mean, since I got my espresso machine, I haven't made drip coffee. But I think part of that's like the novelty of it. Yeah. At some point, I'll probably get lazy and have drip. But it's not like it's not hard and it's pretty quick, too, especially if I'm making coffee for one person. Yeah. And yeah, I need to like be able to stumble down the stairs, chug a glass of water and immediately pour my coffee that's like pre-made. <laughs> you know what I mean? For the first one. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay, so let's catch up on your life. We're talking to Allie Ostrander, like we said at the beginning, and she's a steeplechaser, but you recently took a new coaching job as the volunteer assistant at Seattle Pacific University. So maybe let's just start there. What made you decide you wanted to start coaching? Um, I mean, I've been interested in coaching for a few years. When I was partway through college, I kind of realized that that was where my passion was lay and I was I was an exercise science major so I mean that's a somewhat applicable degree to coaching um but as a as a professional runner I took my first year and I was like I really just want to um get adjusted to this new life and a new city and a new team and coach and just like not have anything else to really focus on but then after a full year I was like you know I I'm used to this now and I feel like I can take on something else without having too much on my plate. And I decided I really wanted to try and get my foot in the coaching door, get a little experience, start networking a bit. Um, and so I reached out to the SPU coach and it's been awesome. I mean, I've said this before, but it's just huge. Like, Professional running is a pretty selfish job. Mm. I, I put all of my focus into bettering myself, which I love. But having the opportunity to coach and focus on helping other people reach their goals and put some of my energy into other people is really, really beneficial for my mental health. And it, like, it just makes me so happy. So I've been enjoying it a ton. The team's awesome. Chris Reed is the head distance coach and he's been incredible, like such a great mentor. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. That's so beautiful how you said that. I I love that thought so much. And I'm I think with any any sport that you put, you know, your your mind, body, and soul into, I'm sure that most athletes have that feeling too. Like you're putting everything into yourself and bettering yourself mm. and how rewarding this must be. Did you choose that sport? Uh, program specifically because of location or had you been following their program for a while? 
Um, yeah, so I was looking into Seattle schools because obviously I knew that I wanted to be able to coach in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and Seattle Pacific, uh, well, honestly, a lot of it was because um, Chris Reed, the coach, the progress he had made with the team since he took the coaching job really impressed me. Um, their program had improved a lot since he took over. They'd been having all Americans and qualifying cross country teams to nationals. And I was like, this seems like a team with a lot of momentum and some really positive energy coming from the coaching end. And I'd like to see what that's like. Yeah, I love that you say that, too, because I've heard you mention in the past, um, you know, one of the reasons you went to Boise State is because you wanted to join a program that wasn't already super established and you wanted to be a part of not that they weren't established, but you wanted to be a part of something special as it grown grows, not just a program that's like, oh, we go to Oregon because, you know, they oh they're really good. They win all the time. So I love to hear you you speak like that about the team that you're coaching now. Um, did you feel similar about the Brooks Beasts? Um, a little bit. I mean, when I joined the team, I mean, Carissa Nelson and I joined about the same time. She joined a bit before me, but we were the third and fourth members of the women's team. Um, and the year before, Allie Buhowski was the first ever, well, well, first for this, you know, generation of the Brooks women's team. Um and so it was, it's a pretty new team, especially on the women's side. And I do feel that way. Like I'm more a part of something that can grow and develop and um, less a part of something with a huge legacy. I mean, obviously Brooks has had incredible female runners before, um, but right now it's a pretty young team. And I've definitely seen a difference like between last year when I signed to now, like the team dynamic has like grown and developed a lot and um, it's just, it's been a really, really fun fall so far. And I feel like we're building some positive momentum moving into the winter and spring. So it's pretty exciting to see that happening. That's awesome. Now I know that you're coming off of a little bit of an injury. You've marked three weeks of 50 plus mile weeks recently. So um, what was the injury? Um, So I had a sacral stress reaction in the fall, um, kind of came out of nowhere. Over the summer, I was coming back from my PRP injection, mm-hmm. and um, I was trying to get um, in shape, I think a little bit too fast, mm-hmm. and um, ended up getting another injury. So that was uh, pretty tough, but it aligned well. Like We were going to take a break in the fall anyways of like two or three weeks. So I just, you know, doubled it and then um, got back to it after that. So it's been harder, like trying to come back this time just because it's, you know, the accumulation of time away from running is, is a lot longer, but um, it's also rewarding because I'm able to see progress a lot faster um, than I would normally, you know, when I've been running consistently for a year or more. So it's exciting um, that I'm feeling better and better every week and like able to see those little gains in fitness after every workout. Um, so I'm definitely enjoying the process right now. Yeah. What are your immediate goals as you build or I guess even short, short term ish goals? Yeah, I mean, I think my biggest goal right now is just to stay healthy and be able to stack consistent weeks of training Um that's going to be super key for me in getting ready for racing in the spring and leading into the summer. 
I, I think that it's hard for me to focus on any other goals right now just because I want so badly to be able to like build that fitness and that base. Um, but I also hard to focus on other goals because I don't know when I'll be racing, but it's looking like we're going to have some sort of indoor races in late January and February. Um, so I'd say that, that, that being ready to race then feeling strong and at least semi sharp at that point would be my next goal. I think it's been really cool to see what different groups have done to, you know, like the track meet that just happened to make sure that the pros are having opportunity to race. What has it been like for you to watch those races from the sidelines? Um, I'm, it's been pretty tough. Yeah. Uh, especially this last one, just cause I feel like that was such an ideal like situation, an incredible race, great pacing and, and great conditions and, and so many people just ran huge PRs. It made me really bummed that I wasn't there. Um, at the same time, it's exciting to see that because I know that despite the circumstances of the last year, it's totally possible to come out and run great times. And I, I totally think that I'm capable of doing the same thing as long as I just keep um, training and preparing for when I do get my opportunity. Uh, so... I'm excited for that, but it it is hard seeing other people have those opportunities now, and Brooks doesn't want us traveling at the moment. Oh, really? So- Earlier in the fall, um, a couple members of our team got COVID, and since then they've kind of cracked down on it, which totally makes sense, and I respect that. Um, so we've had to be extra cautious. Yeah. It seems like there's varying opinions on like if these track meets should even be going on, but you know, I've, I've talked to several athletes who, um, at least for some companies, Nike in particular, like we have to get in 10 races or we get reductions in our contract and things like that. And it's pretty wild to think that, you know, how, much COVID has affected the livelihood of the careers of, of runners. Yeah, Brooks has been really gracious with getting in races um, and times and stuff like that this year. That's awesome. Uh, so that is th- that's something I'm super thankful for just because it's it's been a stressful enough year already with just all of the unknowns floating in the air. So Brooks has been pretty supportive in that regard. That's awesome. That's so good to hear. Um, tell me a little bit more about Brooks and your relationship with them and the team. I I don't think I've interviewed t- too many Brooks athletes. And like you said, um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, your team is pretty small now. I mean, I'm trying to think of others, Des Linden, of course. Um, but yeah, share a little bit about that relationship. Yeah, I mean, so we have currently on the women's team, we have five members, um, Ali Buhowski, Marta Penfritis, Chris and Elson, me and Nia Akins. Uh, and it's a, it's a really fun group. We work well together. And the cool thing about it is that we all have different strengths. So Ali Buhowski is like a metronome. She's great at like pacing longer stuff. Um, Marta is just a workhorse. She can run workouts like no one I've ever seen before. And she's so speedy. She has a faster 40 than some of the guys on the team. Wow. Um, 
And then Carissa is also super fast, great for leading like any sort of speed workout. And Nia is, if, if we're ever doing like all out reps, she's perfect. She's an 800 specialist and she's just so fast. Um, and so like Allie B and I kind of take the lead on tempos and anything on the track, we've got these 1500, 800 runners to help us through. Um, so that's nice. Um, and then the other thing is like with the women's team, we only have five members, but then like the guys team is basically, we, we do everything together. Like we have practices together. We go to altitude together. Um, so it doesn't seem like a small group just cause we're always combined. When, when will you go to altitude next? Do you know? Yeah. So our first altitude camp is going to be, um, starting January 10th and going through the end of February. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about steeplechase and your journey to become a steeplechaser. Um, I know you're from Alaska. You ran for Boise state. Uh, talk to me about why you decided to do steeple in the first place. I started steepling my sophomore year of college and like the second half of my freshman year and the first half of my sophomore year, I had um, a couple injuries. And so going into that sophomore year track season, I was pretty apprehensive, nervous, just felt like I wasn't where I wanted to be. And it was a lot of pressure like on me to perform. And so my coach was like, well, why don't we just try like something new? And so I decided to try the steeplechase. And I had done like a little bit of hurdling in middle school and high school. So I had a tiny bit of experience with that. Um, and so we just decided to give it a try. And um, I ended up really loving it. thought it was a fun event and something super different and unique than anything else in like the distance world of track. And so I, I stuck with it and, and kept doing it. I mean – that's pretty much the entire origin story. It's not anything dramatic. <laughs> uh, but it turned into you being a three-time NCAA champion, which is amazing. Um, talk about that decision to go pro. I know you gave up a year of eligibility there, uh, but you were graduated. It does seem like I've been talking to um, a lot of athletes recently who have given up that last year of eligibility, Sinclair Johnson, Jessica Hole, um, and you, you're right in that mix. So talk a little bit about that decision. Yeah. I mean, after that nationals where I won a third title, I, and I had graduated, I just felt like it was a good time to move on. I felt like I had done what I wanted to do in the NCAA and I had my degree. Um, and I was just ready for the next step. And especially going in to what would have been an Olympic year, mm -hmm. I felt like I wanted to give myself the best shot at making an Olympic team. And I felt like I needed to, kind of step up and um, join a professional team, race against more pros if I wanted to be able to make that jump to competing at a higher level. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. And what a weird year this has been. You know, you, you make that decision and then we have this crazy year. Um, you're given an extra year to train, have worked through these injuries this fall. I'm curious what you're feelings are now, you know, versus what they were when the Olympics was first postponed? So first off, like when I made the decision to go pro, like I described it to you, like it was pretty easy, clear cut, but I was like all over the place, not sure what to do. I was 
I was so confused, like how you even went pro. It mm-hmm. was a it was difficult process. Like Ray Flynn, my agent, he was just a life preserver. I was drowning, flailing around, <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, so this this is what we do here." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." Um, but it was a tough decision. But now looking back, like I'm so glad that I signed pro when I did because if I had stayed another year, it would have been this entire COVID mess. Uh. I wouldn't have got like any eligibility and it just would have been so tough um and harder to sign and less less opportunity so like looking back I'm so glad how it worked out um but yeah like when the Olympics were initially postponed um my mindset was totally like okay I need to get this like Achilles situation sorted out this has been bothering me for a while and now is the perfect time um and and now I'm just kind of of the mentality like okay I just need to train with the faith that there will be races and that no matter what opportunity is presented to me when it comes you know June July like I'll be ready whether that's a dual meet with Wazell or the Olympic trials. So I just want to be prepared for whatever situation comes up. And if the Olympics are postponed again, that's that's what it is. But I want to be able to perform this summer at a level that I'd be happy with if it were an Olympic year. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you, Jessica, Sinclair, anybody else that gave up that that last year of eligibility that was this past year, it's like you guys had no idea what what that would mean. And I it's almost like, whew, thank God I did that, right? It's crazy. Yeah. When I, when I saw what was happening, like to a lot of the girls yeah. that I was close with that stayed for a fifth year, I felt like, I mean, so grateful that I had left the NCAA, but also just I felt a lot of sympathy because that was such a tough situation to be in. And and it was no fault of their own. There was no way they could have seen that coming. Yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that would be. Now, Ray Flynn, I've heard great things about him. I know he's he's uh, Molly Huddle's agent. How did you connect with him? Um. So Emma Bates uh, went to Boise State, and she's like a great marathoner. Um, Ray Flynn is her agent, and he kind of reached out to me through her okay. um, and asked if I would be interested in talking. And at this point, I was trying to figure out what I was doing and what what was going on in my life. And so I gladly <laughs> had a little chat with him, and he, he really helped me um, through the whole process. You know, what a cool job to be an agent like that. I can't even say how many athletes I've heard – ring those same sentiments about their agent. You know, I just talked to Rory Linkletter yesterday and just how Howie Kafleski helped him through that process. It's like, what a cool job, A, but also how rewarding it is to be able to be that person connecting people like you to do what they want to do for, for their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always thought that, like, um, that being an agent would be kind of a dream because you just get to go and travel to all these track meets and have like connections with all these really high level athletes 
and you get yeah like you said you get to connect them you know make dreams come true it's kind of an ideal situation yeah I love that thought to make dreams come true because ultimately that's what you're doing you're on the side of the athlete so you're doing everything in your power to make it so that you the athlete gets the best deal possible from all their races and um shout out to all the agents out there Good work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, tell me a little bit about P- the PRP injections. Do you feel like they were successful? Would you recommend them? I've talked to other people who have had not so great experiences as well. So share a little bit about your experience. Yeah, I mean, I personally think that it was beneficial. Like when I got my PRP injection, I then had to take um, six weeks off. And then start like slowly working back into running. And by the time I like had finished the buildup, like I didn't have any pain in my Achilles, which was huge because before I had a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, like I see it as successful, but it's also really hard to like sparse out whether it was the time off and the slow build that got rid of the pain or if it was the actual injection. So it's really hard to say like, if it was because of the injection that my pain went away. But in my eyes, that's that's how I see it. I do think that it helped um, and accelerated the healing process. So I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk about this next summer, Olympic trials. Um, talk to me about going into a race like this when you know that Emma, Courtney – um, Colleen are going to be in the field. Those are the steeplechasers we hear about that have been doing this for a long time. I want to hear about how you are going to be confident going into a race like this um, when you've got these uh, people that have been doing it for so long in your race. Yeah, I mean, I think that the way that I can go into that race confidently is just having really good training under my belt, having some good races beforehand. Um And just going in with faith in myself and knowing that, like, I am a tough racer. And although I don't have as much experience as they do, I have been to the Olympic trials before. I have been to the world championships. Like, I deserve to be on that line as much as anyone else. And and also, like, in a way, I, I have a bit of an advantage when it comes to the pressure and expectations. Because, like you said, those three are on the short list to make the Olympic team and no one really expects me to do it. Um, so I can go into the race with really nothing to lose and just give everything I can to be, you know, one of the first three to cross the line. Whereas I feel like if any of them don't make the team, that'll be a huge letdown for them. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your experience at the world championships. Um, I mean, it was, it was a really awesome experience. Um, I wasn't satisfied with how I ran. Uh, it was like a really small PR, but I felt like I could have, I could have done much better. And I was hoping to make the final, but like overall, I think it was awesome to have that experience of being on a world stage against the best athletes in the world and, you know, traveling overseas and, um, just, you seen what a world championships is like from the athlete's perspective. So I'm glad that I had that experience. I think it'll be valuable for me in the future. Um, but I'm in no way like satisfied. Yeah. 
good. It's a good way to be, right? When you when you need some fire to uh, fuel the dream of what's next. Um, let's hear about your relationship with Danny Mackey and, and what you guys are doing differently now that you've been pro for a year and how you will handle preparing for um, the Olympic trials in this coming spring, summer. Yeah. Um, so Danny is like a very analytic, scientific sort of coach. Um, he has a master's in biomechanics and ex-phys, and he definitely uses those in his coaching approach, um, which I really enjoy. Anytime there's a workout on the schedule and I'm wondering, hey, Danny, like, what's the point of this? Like, why am I doing this? He will explain it to me and not just like a sentence, like a 20 minute conversation, <laughs> um, regardless of whether I wanted that much detail or not. Um, and so that's really awesome. Like, as I said, I have an exercise science degree and so I like to know the science behind my training and Danny's always willing to provide that. It's also like a pretty dynamic relationship. Like, um, if I am not in agreement with what he puts on my training plan, we can talk it through and try and compromise. If I feel like I need something more to give me confidence, he'll like take that into account. And so I really enjoy that. It's like a two-way street, and he trusts my perspective as an athlete as valuable, and I trust his perspective as a coach as valuable. Um, and he's totally willing to meet in the middle there, which is something I've never experienced with a coach before. It's always kind of been like, this is what you do, and you listen to me, and and you run the workouts, I make the workouts. And with Danny, it's it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, and also he – he often runs our workouts before we do just to see what they're like. So that's kind of cool as well. That um, is cool. Yeah. But no, I really, I really enjoy having Danny as a coach and he's, he's definitely been like supportive through like my injuries and everything. And, and like this entire last year and a half, I'd say has been like a period of getting to know each other, me getting to know him as a coach, him getting to know me as an athlete and so, like, as my time on the beast, like, increases, I think that it's getting better. Like, he's able to coach me better mm -hmm. because he understands, like, my weaknesses and my strengths. Um, and I am able to communicate with him better because I know more of what he needs from me. All right. Quick break here. The Donna Marathon Weekend is coming up. It's virtual this year, and it's right around the corner. Give yourself something to train for, something to look forward to. It is the weekend of February 12th through the 14th. There's a 5K, a half marathon, a marathon, and an ultra distance option. This race supports those walking through breast cancer. I've been partnered with them for four years now. I am super sad I'm not heading down to Jacksonville this year for the race, but I am just as motivated and just as excited to support this amazing organization. I'm also fundraising for them this year as well. I took a year off fundraising last year and I'm back at it this year. If you would like to register for the race, go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay5 for $5 off your registration. If you would like to donate to my fundraiser for the Donna Foundation, make sure you check out the show notes of this episode, lindsayhine.com. You can also just find the link in your podcast app. The show notes are in there and the link to the fundraising page is in those show notes. I have a big goal 
I'm kind of scared. I made a goal to raise $10,000 and now I'm like, oh shoot, I got to raise $10,000 really quick. Uh, so make sure if you want to be a part of that, you go to the show notes and find the fundraising link to donate. The other way to support it is running the Michelob Mile. That 100% of the proceeds from the Michelob Mile will go to my fundraiser for the Donna Foundation. Register for the race, breastcancermarathon.com. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Allie Ostrander. That's so good. Did you have a good relationship with your college coach? Uh, I think it was like pretty decent. Uh, I, it was like very much like a coach athlete relationship. I don't feel like there was much of the give and take that I have with Danny, which Mm -hmm. is understandable. Like college athletes probably, um, aren't able to have as much say in their training. Um, but he, he was very much like, I am in charge. I do not listen to feedback. <laughs> I am right. You are wrong. <laughs> and um, no, do not tell me your opinion. So I appreciate that Danny is a little bit more receptive. Even when he doesn't agree with what I have to say, he still listens, thinks about it, and then says, no, you're wrong. Well, that's interesting. How does that experience play into the way you want to carry yourself as a coach to college athletes? Um, Yeah, it's actually huge. I feel like the more coaches I have, the more I'm able to kind of sparse out what I like in a coach and what I don't like in a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like when I do have athletes in college, I really want to have the ability to individualize the way that I approach each athlete. I think that a lot of the time coaches in college are overwhelmed and they have too many athletes and they're not able to do that. And so things fall through the cracks. Um, And I just want to make sure that when I'm a coach, that doesn't happen. And I'm able to give each individual athlete the attention that they deserve and and really make training specific for everyone's different um, strengths and weaknesses and eccentricities. So... Um, that, that to me is huge. I was actually talking to my friend about it the other day and I was like, I don't feel like giving athletes training is what makes a coach good. It's not the, it's not the workouts people come up with that makes them good. Like every coach just has variations of the same workout. Like it's not like someone's doing something completely different. Uh, I think that it's, it's the ability to understand each athlete and what they need that makes a coach good. I've seen that a lot with Chris, like sometimes with workouts, he's like, you know, watching an athlete run and he's like, she could definitely finish this workout. But I think mentally it would be more beneficial if she just ran one less rep, but did it faster. Mm. Like that would be really good for her mentally. And like, just to see his mind, like be able to, come up with that and like know each athlete so well is really impressive. And I think that that's something that I want to take to like coaching if I ever become a coach. So important too, in those developmental years in someone's life to be able to do that instead of that person that you're coaching feeling like I have to be a robot and just do all these workouts. Yeah. Yeah. And then also I think that when you start to, give athletes attention, they're more apt to be open with you about what they're experiencing and how the training is impacting them. And so like, it just, 
it builds on itself and you're just able to do a better job. You know, I think it's so interesting. One of my favorite all-time interviews on this podcast is with Marisa Powell. And I she takes on less athletes than most collegiate programs, I believe. And what she said about that was so that because she felt feels like she needs to be able to dedicate that more one-on-one attention, which each, each of her athletes, which I think listening in on these kinds of conversations that I'm having with you right now, has to be one of the reasons she's so successful and her athletes are so successful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that that's important. Like some programs kind of take the approach of like power in numbers. So like, okay, if we take on 10 athletes a year, hopefully two of them will be really successful. Um, but like that leaves eight athletes that never reach their potential, which I think is just a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it's a great idea to have fewer athletes because I think that there's a better chance of everyone being successful if you're able to focus your time and energy um, on a smaller number of athletes. Yeah, like you can really focus on like developing each individual person. Nobody's slipping through the cracks. But I mean, on the flip side of that, I've heard from Diljeet Taylor that like she takes as many as she can so that as many people as possible have the opportunity to run on the team. So it's like you do kind of see both sides of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like there's always going to be positives and negatives either way because I do think that like being on a collegiate team is a valuable experience. But I also like had friends in college who were on the team but just felt like they never got any mm. attention or any time of day and just ended up quitting because yeah. they they didn't like it because the coach didn't really take them seriously. And so I think that there's like there's somewhere in the middle that's probably ideal. Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting conversations for coaches around the country to really really take to heart and really think about. Um, and I appreciate your insight. It's it's pretty cool to hear from someone that is fresh off of that, being the athlete, and now also after running pro for a year, getting back into this with the coaching. So you can really see a fresh perspective of both sides. How cool for those athletes that get to work with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to be a part of their training and um I'm, I'm just hoping that me being there is beneficial. I'm obviously not taking any huge coaching role. I'm not writing their workouts yeah. or anything, but I feel like I am able to provide some insight just from my experience as an athlete. I mean, and that's the way, that's the way you get started. Who knows what this, this process for you right now will, who knows what that will, where that will take you in 15 years, 20 years, you know, when you, when that might be your full-time gig rather than professional running once that part of your your career is is done not that we should be talking about that because that's in a very long time and you are so you have so much ahead of you um I have to talk about Alaska for a quick second I'm sure everybody asks you about it because it's like a unique place to be from but I just read the book The Great Alone have you read it yes actually I did I read that one last year I think Kristen Hanna yeah Okay, so just tell me a little bit about growing up in Alaska. Do you get asked this all the time? What's what's it like? 
Yeah, I do get asked a lot, but honestly, like the longer it's been since I've lived there, the more I enjoy answering because I just okay. want to reminisce because <laughs> it really is an awesome place to live. Like, I love Alaska, um, but I do also think that it's not as different as people imagine it would be. Yeah. It's not like snowy all year or dark all year. Like, it's it's a pretty normal place, you know. We have a Walmart. So it's not like I'm going to the fish market to get my dinner or something. But, uh, yeah, it, it was great growing up there. I feel like there's a lot more open space, and it's just – it's a beautiful, beautiful state. Like, so many mountains and hiking trails and and just, yeah, like I said, open space. Like, lots of forests and lakes and rivers and stuff. So – I, I love it there, and I really enjoy going back every summer and um, getting to spend time there, but I don't really miss the winter at all. Um, it gets pretty dark and cold, and it's not great for running at all. So, yeah, I, I miss it, but I also don't want to live there right now. Yeah. What what part of Alaska did you live in and what brought your family there? Have you has, is it like a generational thing like your family's always lived like there? Families. Um so I grew up in Kenai, Alaska, which is in South Central. Um and my dad has lived there his whole life. So his parents um lived there. And then my mom her her um, parents started out in Texas, but ended up moving to Alaska for her dad's job. Oh wow! Big um, and she lived, which is about yeah, huge change, which is about four hours from Kenai. But um, when my dad and her met, they ended up um, settling in Kenai. So that's kind of how we ended up there. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice place. I'd say if I were ever going to live in Alaska, I probably wouldn't live in Kenai. It's a it's a bit small for me, especially after living in Boise and Seattle. I I just don't think I could go back to a town of 7,000 people, but uh yeah, it's it's a nice area. Okay, I also have on my list a highly requested thing to ask you about is Spencer, your boyfriend, and the athlete special. And I said, what is the athlete special? And then everybody <laughs> kind of told me it was his YouTube channel. So talk to us a little bit about how you guys met. Uh, yeah, so Spencer joined the Brooks Beast team this summer. Um, and when he moved to Seattle, it was like the time of year where the team was on break. So we weren't, weren't meeting for practice. And almost everyone was gone. I was only one of the only people in town. And so he was he he and he has two friends that moved here with him, Will and Ari, and they were just really bored and I was really bored because I was just living <laughs> in my house alone. And so we started just like hanging out and um like doing stuff together, mainly like making videos like with workouts and, and cooking and stuff and just yeah. And then ended up just liking each other. So <laughs> that yeah, it just kind of turned into dating. Really didn't mean for it to happen because I was like, <laughs> no, no, this is a terrible idea. Like, we're on the same team. But, yeah, it's just one of those things where I just can't think about it too hard. And so I was like, yeah, I, uh, I guess this is 
happening now. So all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been really fun. And him having like the athlete special, his YouTube channel um, has been cool for the team. Like we kind of I we can all look back and like see our workouts and progress and it also shows a little bit into like the team dynamic and how much fun we have together. So I'm glad that like he's doing that now with Brooks. And also like it kind of makes me want to start a YouTube channel. I've been playing around with the idea um, just because it seems like a fun thing to do. And as a professional athlete, you have like some some spare time that you could use making videos. So I'm like, mm, maybe I'll jump on that train, but we'll see. Well, yeah. And I think we're seeing more and more just as time goes on that it's super important and valuable for the brand that you're sponsored by to put yourself out there on social media and create content like that. It, it definitely lures the fans in to pay attention to what you're doing. And it's an obvious um, brand recognition kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um and I, I think that, like, moving forward, having a presence on social media and, like, different platforms of social media is only going to become more mm. important. Um, so, you know, i gotta got to try and have a presence online. And, and I do enjoy that sort of thing, like, being on camera and, and interacting with, like, fans and followers through social media. So I think it would be fun. Have you done any reels on Instagram? It's like... We're all supposed to be doing that, and it stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I haven't done many reels. So I have a food page on Instagram, mm -hmm. um, and I've done reels on that. But I don't do it very often. Like, for some reason, it sounds like so much work. Yes! <laughs> it feels so hard. The one time I did it, it took me, like, five minutes, but... Like, still, even knowing that, I'm just like, oh, no, I can't. Like, oh, so <laughs> much work. And it's just, it's not at all. But, uh, yeah, I have a hard time motivating myself to do that. Some of these videos I see people do, though, I'm like, that had to take, like, a full hour to come up with. And, I mean, you know, there are times when I write an Instagram post that's really heartfelt and long. And by the time I go back and edit it and think it through, it probably takes me close to an hour, you know, if it's a really well thought out post. But yeah, it stresses me out too. I I know that that's, you know, Instagram is like, you are going to show up in our algorithm a lot more if you do the dang reels. They want, they're like, they want you, like you're like the coaches in college. They want you to be a robot and just do what they tell you to do. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, well, I haven't fallen into the trap yet, but I may shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your food, your Instagram. Oh, Lod, we nomin? Yes. Oh, Lod, we nomin. Um, I feel like an old lady how I said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, most people have a little trouble pronouncing it. It's definitely not intuitive. So, uh, but yeah, it's just kind of something that I'm doing for fun one of those quarantine things. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just post recipes and like thoughts about food and, um, you know, coffee. So uh, yeah, it's just something that fun that I do. I like having an account where it's less about running. Like I never really post about mm -hmm. running on that account. Um, so it's another place that I can just kind of express my personality. And I've also loved cooking for like quite a while. 
I've been pretty into it since I was like 11 or 12. So I feel like I have some, some good recipes to share. Yeah. Did you ever think about connecting the two accounts? I mean, kind of, but I just, I, I don't want like, I kind of want it separate. Like if people want to see my food, they can follow my food. If they want to see my running, they can follow my running account, but I don't want to subject everyone to seeing pictures of food. (laughs) Yeah. Especially if that's like the main static post for sure. I get that. Yeah. Um, all right, Allie. Well, what is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, well, I think like the very obvious answer professionally is to make an Olympic team. Um, that's probably every professional runner's answer that hasn't made an Olympic team. Uh, so that's obviously a huge goal, but I'd say that something personally that I would really like to do is like have the experience of coaching an athlete to like a huge goal. I I've never done that before. Obviously I've only ever been like a volunteer assistant coach. Um, but I think that that would be super rewarding to help someone achieve something big. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? I would say, um, being able to become a professional runner, like running has, has been a passion of mine for a long time and something that I truly love doing. And so like, being able to run for my job, I'm literally living the dream. Um, and so I'm pretty proud that I'm, I've put myself in a situation where I get to do what I love and get paid for it. What does your family think about it? Do you, do you have runners in your family that were college or professional runners? Uh, my sister ran in college. Uh, and I mean, she, she thinks it's cool. She's like, I just, I wish I could just work out for a living. And I was like, (laughs) it's the coolest thing ever. Um, And then my parents are super supportive. They're happy for me. They know that I love it. I don't think that they completely understand like the, the level of like dedication I have to it maybe. Cause sometimes like when I'm home for a break or something, they're like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I've got to go lift. I've got to run and I've got to cross train later. And they're like, Allie, you barely have time to do anything else. Like you're on vacation. Why don't you just relax a bit? And I'm like, well, I'm actually not really on vacation. I'm just not in Seattle. Yeah. Like, I'm never on vacation except for like two weeks a year. Um, so, yeah, but I think that's hard for anyone to grasp because like other people, when they get like vacation time from their job, they don't have to do their job. Right. But, like, when I have vacation time for my job, I'm still doing my job. Yeah. And you're using your body like for your job. So you have to keep it in this precise kind of shape, this really good shape. Yeah. I totally, totally could see that. Um, what does your sister do now? Um, so currently she's an exercise physiologist at a cardiac rehab clinic. Um, but she actually just got accepted to PA school. Oh, cool. So she's going to begin that in the well, summer. Yeah, she's going to begin that in the summer. Um, and she's super excited for that. So I'm stoked for her. And probably part of her residency she's going to do in Seattle. Oh, so nice. that is so exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Now, is it just the two of you or do you guys have other siblings? Yeah, it's just the two of us. Okay, cool, cool. 
Um, who is someone fun, motivating, or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea, or cocktail with? I know this is probably isn't as deep as people <laughs> might for, but uh, I would love to have a coffee with my favorite um, artist, musician, uh, Yo Clore. He, I just love his music so much, and he's also like seems to have like a pretty cool um, personality from what he portrays on social media. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear more from him. Okay. And maybe okay. have a personal concert. What kind of music is this? It's kind of like indie, sort of. A lot of his stuff is a bit acoustic. Um, it A lot of it's like kind of love songs. Um, he has a girlfriend, so that's a bummer for me, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not, a bu- but not a bummer for the athlete special, though. Yeah, not not a bummer for him. He, that's what gave him a chance. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I have a hard time describing like any music. I don't know how to like sparse out genres. But yeah, I'd say indie. It's definitely like more of like emotional, like feels music. Uh-huh. It's not something I listen to when I'm working out. More of just like a I'm chilling or like driving in the car sort of music. Are you big into music? I wouldn't say I'm like big into music, but I definitely love music. Um, and I'm trying. I am usually trying to find like new music and and stuff. Um, and as far as like activities that I miss in quarantine, like concerts mm-hmm. are a huge. One. Huge. Me too. Did you get into Taylor Swift's new album? A little bit. Like I'm not actually like a huge Taylor Swift fan, but. Um, some of my friends are like Carissa loves her and Will does. And so I've li- heard a lot of her songs and I actually do like her new album. Yeah, it's so good. Um, and then lastly with music, what are your like, what do you love to work out to? Um, I really like pop and rap to work out to. Like this this year, WAP has been huge for uh, getting me through bike workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, Ariana Grande, uh, she has some good songs to work out to. Um, and then also like old school stuff, just like songs from the 2000s, those. So yeah, that sort of stuff. Like anything that's like really upbeat is what I'd like to work out to. You know, I love working out to old school hip hop, like, well, old school for me sometimes feels like the nineties, but even the two thousands, that's when I was in college. And, um, so it's interesting for me to hear someone who, you know, for you, that was like what were you like a toddler, (laughs) you know, when I was in college. So that's interesting that those songs are still super relevant, even to people that weren't listening to them in high school and college. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like the 2000s, like that, that time and genre of music is just like very conducive to good, like pump up workout sort of vibes. And so, yeah, I'm here for it. I agree with that. Okay. Last question, Allie, what is your one message to send to the world today? I would say, like, especially right now, my message to send to the world would be to just stay hopeful and stay compassionate. I think that right now, with what everyone's going through, it's really easy to lose hope and to try to blame people for what's happening to us right now. But I think it's important that we all stay united in in trying to get through this Um and, you know, wear a mask. Yeah. 
For sure. Stay united. Wear a mask. Allie, thanks so much for doing this. And I hope you have your very best day today. Yeah, thank you. You too. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Allie, for coming on the show. That was fun. You can find Allie on Instagram. She's Allie underscore Ostrander over there. You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626, as well as Twitter, at lindsayhine. And we have a Facebook page and group. We'd love to have you join us. Don't forget to check out the Up and Running podcast hosted by Lauren Flores and Abby Stanley. Lauren was my most recent podcast guest here on this show. And we do recordings every single month on Patreon. You can get access to those when you go to patreon.com slash lindsayhine. And we also have episodes with my husband, Glenn, over there. It's super fun. Those episodes, you definitely get a little sneak peek behind the scenes to our family and life a little more. And Glenn always has some sort of hot take. Thanks for being here. Get yourself registered for the Donna Marathon virtual weekend. Go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay5 to register and check out my fundraising page in the show notes of this episode. lindsayhine.com. It is also in your show notes of this episode in iTunes as well. Uh, Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Excited to uh, go through 2021 with you all. I appreciate you. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend and we will see you next Friday.